to get really clear on what it is that you want. I am in the position now where I work with hundreds of business owners and most of them have gotten lost on the journey and forgotten why they started in the first place. And the truth is, is that we usually tend to overcomplicate what we're doing. We usually tend to add on more than we want, um, make it more expensive than it needs to be. And if you really get, get in touch with what is the result that you want, what is the lifestyle you want, and you build your business around that, you'll avoid a lot of detours that are unnecessary. And the last thing you want to do is to build a successful business 20 years from now, look back and say, I don't even like what I built. I don't even like where I'm at. And that's what a lot of people are on the path to do. everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time to chat with us. Now, today we have a fun guest on here, and we'll get to a little bit of his intro, but it was fun. It was one of the, I think it was either the, well, I don't know if it was the first, but it was one of the first um, podcasts I was on, or I had an opportunity to be a guest on, which is he uh, does the Profit with Law podcast. So it's uh, one, if you're an attorney or uh, doing legal related services, um, that is a great podcast and one that I definitely recommend and listen to frequently myself. Um, but with that, it was uh, one that I kind of uh, started a bit of uh, my podcasting experience experience and has grown since then and was a genesis in part on uh, this podcast and so uh, excited to turn around a bit and have him as a guest on the podcast for once and to talk to a little bit of his journey so with that we will uh, go ahead and uh, dive into a bit of his journey and have a good conversation so welcome on the podcast Moshe. Oh thank you so much Devin for having me it's a it's an honor to be here um, and I, I mean, I love podcasting. I, you know, I, I listened to podcasts back in, when you had to download it and put it on an iPod. Um, so I'm, a, I'm an avid podcast listener and I love uh, the opportunity to uh, be on somebody else's show. So I appreciate you having me here and hopefully I can add value to your listeners. Absolutely. No, it's uh, it's always fun. It's fun to be or to be on both sides of, of the microphone, so to speak, of being able to uh, be the, the host as well as to be the guest. And it's always a different experience. So now I'll, I'll just uh, congratulate you in front of the audience. So Moshe just had a child. Is that right? Yep. A baby boy. Baby boy. So if, if you if, if you get tired or you're not off or anything else, definitely understand why, because uh, I have uh, four kids that are ages uh, five to 11. So I've been through that four times and definitely understand uh, the, the, the little bit of the losing sleep and otherwise uh, being distracted. So appreciate you, you fitting us in uh, after after the having the newborn. Yeah, you know what, I, I'm just trying to catch up to you. You know, I this is my sixth, sixth child, but my three older ones are, you know, much older. So I want to get that bunch of four in this, in that small age group. So uh, just give me a couple more years. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be back and talk about the fourth one. All right. Well, it's a good aspirations and suddenly there's definitely a good goal to shoot for. So with that, we'll go ahead and dive in. And and, uh, and as the listeners are used to, we uh, do go through the journey of kind of how you got to where you're at today. So maybe uh, give an introduction, start at the high school, college time frame, but kind of get us, give us an idea of, of how your journey got started and, and uh, led to where you're at. 
Yeah, it's you know what? It, everybody's got their own unique journey, and uh, mine is definitely unique. So I don't know how many of your listeners have been exposed to the Orthodox Jewish community, but I was raised um, an Orthodox Jew, and I didn't necessarily buy into the the way of life that Orthodox Jewry provided. So being an Orthodox Jew um, has a lot of limitations on what you can do. It's very restrictive. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but I was in constant rebellion. So my high school journey was very interesting because uh, give me a year and I was in a different high school. Um, so I bounced so around. You, just, at, to, just to clarify, so you went to four different high schools over four years? That's correct. <laughs> All right. That's correct. So uh, whether whether it was my doing or their doing and somehow, you know, somehow either they didn't want me back or I didn't want to go back and uh, gave my parents a run for their money for sure. Uh, but it was all private schools. And, and, you know, the first one was way too religious for me. Uh, you know, I was just there was two different things at play. One is, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very smart. I don't want to toot my own horn. That's not the point, but the classes were boring to me. Uh, I would read the textbook in the first three weeks of school and I knew the curriculum for the year. So the rest of the year was just how can I enjoy myself in the process? So I'd be sitting in the back of the room and I was the jokester in the class and I would, you know, and uh, constantly eating snacks during class, stuff like that. Just and that was just how I carried on through through high school. Um, but I never really found my place because I just wasn't comfortable with where I was. Uh, and in that process, uh, my father has been a, I don't want to call it an entrepreneur. I think there's a better word for it. But he was constantly doing a new business every couple of years. Uh, but he never hired staff. So it was always like um, solopreneur you know, in an entrepreneurial fashion. Uh, but he was always looking for the next, you know, get rich quick scheme and uh, never really built a business the way that a business needs to be built, which is to bring on people to do the job that you'd be doing, and then you reap the rewards. So in his venture of not hiring staff, he put his kids to work. So I have a very eclectic background throughout my childhood. Uh, we had a flower shop. We had a gold refinery. These all happened in our basement, by the way. Um, we had we had a, a a business where he would buy all this inventory that couldn't be sold, and then we'd sit down and say, "Okay, why didn't this sell?" So there was like a board game called Plutocrat that when you open the box, there were no instructions. So there's a whole bunch of game pieces, but it doesn't tell you how to play. So like, oh, of course this didn't sell. So we sat there and we made up a game and then we wrote, wrote up a rule book and we repackaged the game nicely and with the instructions inside. And then he turned around and sold it uh, for a profit. So those are the kinds of things that I was being exposed to as I was growing up. And when I was in high school, he partnered with a Israeli software company that was creating um, uh, Jewish um, software for uh, Talmud and, and the Old Testament and stuff like that. So there's like Bible scholar and Torah scholar um, and the Talmud scholar was the names of the software. And he basically was starting their North American division. This is the only work that he did that he actually brought on staff. So he, he hired these support personnel to take tech support calls. And I would come in 
at night from school. And of course, I did my homework on the way home and I was bored when I got home and I would sit there in the office and I would answer the support line. I would start helping people with their computer problems. And most of these people were just, they just didn't know how to operate the computer. So you just needed to kind of like walk them through where they needed to go. Um, But it let my parents know that I had a knack for technology. So after my stint of four years, walk through within at least four years, you went from board game sales or board game salesman. You did flower shop, you did gold refinery, and you did IT customer service. At least those. Not all, not all that happened during high school. So that was, I don't know the time span of that, but my guess is probably like third, fourth grade, all the way through the end of high school. Um, but this um, software company was the last two, three years that I was in high school was when the software company was happening. Ultimately, they ended up taking it back over. He stepped away. He, he just, again, it came back to, he likes to do, th- he likes to own the tasks. And I don't want to make this about my dad, but he likes to own the tasks. And I think he had a really hard time mm. with the delegation aspect. So it really didn't work out. Um, and he moved on to the, the next thing that he set out to do, which is um, Microsoft Access Database Programming, which he's still doing today, interestingly enough. So he found so his he's niche. Been that the longest. <laughs> <laughs> so now he found his niche. Now on your journey, as you're saying, okay, had this kind of bounced around through different high schools, also was doing entrepreneurial en- en- endeavors, and you're now saying, okay, I'm graduating from high school. Was it a straight shot to college? And, you know, how did the, or what did you figure out or how did you figure out what you wanted to do in college or kind of how did that next phase of your journey go? Okay, so the interesting thing is, is that in uh, there's very different gradations of, of Orthodox Jews, but the modern Orthodox, they, they, they feed into the college system just like the rest of America. But the rest of the Orthodox community, they either don't go to college or they only go as needed. Like, so they stay and study Torah for a certain amount of time. And then when they're ready to go out to the workforce, maybe they'll go to college. Maybe they just start working. Um, so I was not being groomed to go to college. That wasn't part of the plan. Um, and college really wasn't on the radar. When I finished 12th grade, I really didn't have anything that I needed to do. Like, what's the next step? Like the normal next step for somebody in, in the circles I was being brought up in was to go to a Talmudic college, which is, you know, it's, they don't call it that. Um, but that's basically what it is. And I had no interest in doing that. So here I was an adult, I can make my own decisions. I'm not taking that step. So what did I do? I went out with friends and I live in a suburb of New York city. So I went into Manhattan every night and we went clubbing. So I'd be out until three, four in the morning. I'd come home. And what do you do when you're up till four in the morning? You sleep to one in the afternoon. So I was at this place where I really had no purpose. And um, as far as my mother was concerned, she raised a bum. And she was like totally like probably she was very reception on her end that it, at least the outward perspective that is what it would probably look like. Yeah, so she was really really mortified by what what had happened, and she said, "You know what? I he needs to have some sort of responsibility." So she went to a local computer store, and she had a conversation with the owner, and she said, "Look, my." My son really doesn't have direction in his life right now. And I really think that he'd be amazing at whatever you do in your computer store. Would you take him in? And he said, I'd like to meet him first, but yeah, I'd probably give him a shot. So my mother comes home and she says, you know, I set up a, a, an interview with you for you. 
and you know just go meet with this with this computer store owner so i was i was like oh what the heck why not so i went and i sat down with him and he basically told me what they did uh which at that time what a computer cost two and a half thousand dollars so there was a big business to just assemble and, and sell computers because if you bought it from Dell for two and a half thousand dollars, we can assemble it with the bare material costing about five, six hundred bucks and we can make that two thousand dollar profit. Right. So there was a lot of a big business and actually just creating, you know, building the computers and selling it to uh, to the clients. So he basically said, look, I'll take you on as an intern. And the first moment that I can send you out to a client site to work and you're able to bill on your own is when I'll start paying you and I'll pay you $200 a week cash. So three weeks later, I went on payroll. And um, I was doing that for a very short period of time. Uh, Probably, if I had to guess, probably about four months. And he sent me out to a client in New York City. And I'm at the client. The way that he did this was he would have you go with a book, you know, like just a blank uh, receipt book that had a carbon copy and you'd write a bill when you were there. So he had us call before we left the site and, and write a bill. So I called him up and I said, okay, this is what I did. I basically spent an hour there and I did, you know, I tweaked a couple of things in their software and I fixed their problem. They were happy as can be. And he had me write the bill and he had me write a bill for $90 for my hour of work. And he also had me add another $50 for travel. And I handed a $140 bill to them and they gave me $140 back. And in my infinite wisdom of business, I came back and I said, I want to raise. <laughs> hey, I got, I made your money. Give me more. So how did that go? I, 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 look, I looked at it. I said, he's billing me a $90 an hour. I, wait, uh, I quick math, that's $3,600 a week. I'm getting $200 a week. Something's wrong here, right? Now, clearly, I wasn't billing at 40, 40 hours a week, but that was, my, that was my mindset. So I asked for a raise. Um, he said, I'm going on vacation to Israel. When I come back, let's talk about it. He went on vacation. I think he's coming back, and I'm going to be a rich man. Um, and he gets back, and he says, you know, I really thought about it, and I'm not in the position to give you a raise right now. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean you're not in the position you're, to give me a raise? You're making $90 an hour off of me. How can you not right. raise? Well, it, it, you get me to $300 an hour. It only takes two and a half, three and a half hours for me to, for me to break even for you every week. Like, th- this is a no-brainer. But bottom line is, is that I came home and I told my mother what happened. And she said, well, I have somebody that I want you to meet. And she puts me in touch with the IT company that was doing the IT support for her office. And um, I went and I met with them and they turned around and offered me a real job with a real paycheck where I get to pay my taxes on it. And, and I started working for them to pay the tax. Well, you should pay your taxes as you have to, but yeah. Right. Well, I was getting $200 cash and as a teenager earning cash, taxes wasn't on my radar. None of that, you know, none of that adult stuff was there, but I was earning money, but I realized that I was not earning enough that made sense for what the work that I was doing. Um, and that the next job uh, I got, I, I think I started there at $23,000 a year salary. Um, but while I was there, the, a few things happened. Number one, the 
owner of the business, it was a Novell shop. Novell is something that nobody today knows what it is. But um, what Microsoft is today, Novell was back then. So essentially, they held they they had the the server business um, for for small businesses or even large businesses. Everything ran on Novell Netware. Uh, and Microsoft was new to the was new to the game when it came to server side, you know, corporate networks. Um, and there was a certification called a Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer, where you can get certified on the Microsoft Server operating system. And that was a six exam certification, and it was at the time was very valuable. Um, at the same time, I got married. Now, mind you, I'm 19 years old, um, and I got married, and that goes back to the way I was raised, the Jewish Orthodox traditions, and uh, you can't really be with a woman unless you're married. So I fell in love with a girl, and the only way for us to be together was to get married. So that's what I did. Now, um, I don't have any qualms with what happened with my life and where that took me, but at 19, before I turned 20, I already had my first child. And so my oldest is, is now 22. She also works for me. She's a podcast producer here at my podcast, Profit with Law. Um, and she's a college student at SUNY Empire State. Um, but I am 42 years old. I've got a 22-year-old daughter. Uh, so at 19, I, was, I had just gotten married and I had a, now a pregnant wife. And I started to realize that my $23,000 salary ain't going to cut it. And that's where I think that a lot of my motivation on my career path was driven by necessity rather than by what I, you know, I desired or wanted or thought about that I wanted to do. Um, because it was one step after another, always trying to keep abreast with the added responsibilities I created for myself. So I went into my boss, my new boss, I was there, what, nine months or eight months when this happened. And I said, look, I want to know if there's a way for me to earn more money here. And he said, well, yeah, actually there is. If you get this Microsoft certification, then I will give you a raise and I'll raise you from 23,000 to 27,000. So I went through and I built my own two computers at home and I made a server and a workstation and I went through the material and I took the tests and I worked really hard to get the certification. And when I was done, it was right around the time that my baby was born and I went in, I got my raise and I was feeling really good. And then I re read an article that said that the average MCSC was making $70,000 a year. <laughs> yeah, like I got a raise and I'm way underpaid. Exactly. So I started to shop around what's out there. And I ended up getting a, a job at a pre-IPO company. Now, mind you, this is 1999. Um, and um, everybody was going public. So like the place to be was a pre-IPO company. Now, let me just ask one question on that. So you're working at Nobel. And just as a complete aside, so people, some of the listeners, at least I know who Nobel is because it was started in Utah. So because it was started in Utah, it was actually started in Provo, which is where I went to school for undergrad. There's at least a very tangential connection between uh, you or between Nobel and, and why I would actually know what it is, because you're right, most people would remember it. But now you so you go before you made the jump to going to kind of the pre IPO, did you go into the boss? Did you say, hey, I can make double if I go somewhere else? Or he's just saying, hey, we're not we can't we're not in a position to pay you or kind of what made you decide to make that leap or make that jump from working to Nobel, which was a big company at the time to going to more of a pre IPO company? 
So it's exactly how it happened. So the owner of this business that's basically was a, a computer support company. Um, it was a small shop. We had there were five of us that were working for him. He was in his 70s. And I went into him and I said, look, you know, the, I, I really appreciate what you're paying me. I appreciate you taking me in. I'm working hard for you. Um, I know that we're making we're making money. I don't know if it can support this, but here's what the industry is paying people that are doing what I'm doing with the amount of experience that I have. Um, is there anything that you can do to improve my salary? And he said, um, no, that's the best that I can do. Um, and I actually, I, I, my recollection may be off. I think he may have given me a small raise. I think he may have bumped me up another few thousand dollars, but that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went and I found a job, um, and I, and, and the job was going to pay me $54,000 was the salary. So it was, it was practically double or just shy of double of what I was earning. So I went into him and I said, look, now I have a job offer before I take it. I just want to double check nothing, nothing doing here. And he said, nope, nothing doing. And I said, okay, um, here's my two weeks notice. So at that exact moment, he called everybody together into the office, into the conference room. And he said, I just want you all to know I'm retiring. (laughs) And Moshe's leaving. He got another job and I'm going to, um, if you guys want it, these two people, I'm going to hand the the clients off to you. Uh, We'll, we'll make some financial arrangements. And that was, that was it. My exodus was basically the demise of the company that I was at. Um, not my doing. He was held the company together. Well, I think he was ready. I think he was like, you know, and I think he knew it was coming. So I think he waited until he didn't have to let another person go. Um, and it just gave him the peace of mind that he can move on (laughs) and retire in peace. So I started the software company at the software company. Uh, I did most of the work on the team that I was on. Uh, a lot of the guys were smokers and every 15 minutes they went on smoking breaks. And, you know, I ended up carrying the, carrying the bag for a lot of the work they did. Uh, and I turned around and, and very quickly asked for a raise from them. Uh, and they turned around and my manager basically gave me the runaround for a while and ultimately came back and said, he, you know, he can do an $800 raise. Um, and I guess it's better than nothing, but not a whole lot. Yeah, it was like, a, and basically the conversation he had with me was very like, this is not how to have employees. He calls me into the office and he says, you know, yeah, MCSEs are a dime a dozen. <laughs> so I was able to work out an $800 raise for you. You know, like you owe me the world. So um, at that time, I, I, uh, the, uh, it was shortly thereafter, I walked into my father's house and it was a Sunday morning. He was meeting with a gentleman who was installing a phone system in his house. So he was having this meeting with this guy and I walked in and I said, hi, and I said, hello to this person. And I went up to to talk to my mother. And when I walked out of the room, he turns to my father and he says, oh, what does he do? And my father says, oh, he's in computers. He does networking, blah, blah, blah. He says, well, I have a, a company that does phone systems. I would love to add computer networking to the mix of what we do. Is he looking for a job? So my father tells him, I don't think so. He just started at this other other place. Why would he be looking already? Yeah. So he turns around and tells me this conversation. And I said, well, wait a second. I want to hear what he has to say. So I sat down with this. I sat down with him and I had a conversation with him. um, And he told me what he wanted to do, what his vision was. And I said, I would love to start your IT division for you. I'd love to be your director of IT. 
I said, I don't have the experience of managing people. I understand that you're taking a risk with me, but I've never let any of my employers down. I've always worked really hard. I've always made sure to get the job done and I will do the same for you. I said, and on top of, so he wanted to know what I wanted to earn. I said, $70,000 a year. And he hemmed and hawed and he wasn't sure. I said, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I see that this is a difficult dollar amount for you to, for you to swallow. I said, I will, go, I will start at $60,000. i will work for three months. If after three months, you're not happy with my work, you think that you made a mistake, I walk away. You know, you saved a little bit of money. If you are happy, you give me a raise to seventy. And he agreed. And I started working there. I ended up working for him for six years. Um, and I developed his IT department into um, uh, a dozen technicians. I flew all across the country. I sold over $30 million in sales for him. Um, and it was, it was, a, it was, the, it was a great place to land. Um, it was a great place for me to flourish. But more importantly, it gave me a ton of experience in basically starting a business, running a business where I didn't have the, the same um, challenges as somebody who owns a business does because I didn't have to worry about where the money was coming from necessarily, hmm. right? Um, so I didn't lose sleep at night, but I, I learned a ton about vetting people, hiring the right people, managing them, um, you know, criticizing them in a way that's constructive and be able to get them to, 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 to uh, be team players and work with you. Uh, it was a very impactful job for me. But during that time, and I know that we're probably going to be running out of time soon, so I try to rush the story up a little bit. During that time, I, I went through my divorce. Um, and it was the last couple of years I was working for him. Um, and when I went through my divorce, I, I basically my ex-wife wasn't working and I was, and I was earning at that point, I was already earning, um, six figures over six figures. Um, I actually got to a hundred thousand dollars in salary before I turned 21. And, um, and I owned my first home before I turned 22. So I was like really always on this fast track of rushing to get somewhere where I was rushing to, who knows, but, but I always thought that somewhere. Well, you know what? I had this, I had this belief that, you know, people work their whole lives to reach retirement and then they get to retirement and they get to enjoy life and they're too old to enjoy it. <laughs> I, oh, I agree. It's like, finally, when you have your house paid for, you have the money, you have the, the means and then you're saying, now I'm too tired. I'm too old and I can't do anything to enjoy everything that I built. And so then it almost seems backwards. But when you're young, you know, so it's kind of, you know, retirement is wasted on the old and, and you know, and there's some truth to that. So now help us. So understand. I had this, I had this idea that I would have all my kids out of high school and, you know, through college, by the time I was 45, I'd be retired and I'd be able to live and enjoy life. So, um, you know, that's what I was always on this rush because I had created this, this, you know, time frame for myself that was a lot shorter than what most people uh, would have their careers in. Now, mind you, I never went to college um, at this point. And um, I also had something that I was doing on the side. So I was in, uh, I was an EMT, an emergency medical technician volunteering for the local ambulance corps. Um, and that was something that I just did as a hobby on the side, it had nothing to do with, you know, my, my, uh, my career. So I went through my divorce and in the process, um, first of all, my work, um, fell off the cliff when I, you know, like I just, my head wasn't in the game. I wasn't motivated. Like everything that was motivating me was my family and my family was falling apart. Um, and then I got to this realization where 
logistically, it made sense since I was the breadwinner that I would have the kids only one night a week and every other weekend, and she would have them all the other times, which, you know, in hindsight, that was the stupidest thing for me to agree to, but it is what it is. Water At under the, the bridge. It made now. sense and it, it worked and, or you thought it would work and come to find out right. it was a bit different, right? So then I had all this free time in the evenings and I was like, what am I going to do with it? So I actually decided to join a paramedic program, put myself through paramedic school. Um, and the paramedic program is a 2000 hour program. So that's like the equivalent of a full-time job. And I was doing this while working my job. So I would go to, I would leave work and I would go to class in the evenings. We had class from seven to 11. And then I had to do um, three, eight hour rotations a week at, at the hospital. So uh, some nights I would stay there, do my eight hour rotation from 11 to seven, and then go to work at 7am <laughs> the next morning. Uh, and sometimes I did it on the weekend when I didn't have the kids. Somehow I balanced it. I figured it all out. It was a very difficult year, but at least I felt like I was doing something. At the same time that I finished my medic program, things really got bad at work. Um, the company wasn't doing well. They were having a hard time. Um, my performance had fallen off the map. Uh, most of my team was already gone. And my boss started to fall behind in payroll. And it got to the point where I was like, you know what? There's really, there's no future for me here. I went into his office and I said, look, either catch me up or I'm gone. And he said, okay, see ya. <laughs> so donating the extra money that I didn't pay you. So now, so now that's kind of fast forward. So you're, you're saying, okay, I'm in a transitional point in life. I, you know, going through divorce, you're also saying, okay, I'm going to do EMT school. Now where we, where we intersected was a bit more of now with profit with law, which is more right. Finance, right. business. So how did you make that jump or that transition? Because it seems like it's a fairly big de- or, de- or departure from what you were used to or what you're doing uh, before then. Yeah. So what happened was, is I started working full time as a paramedic and a paramedic on a 911 unit. It could be a very um, adrenaline rushing job. It could be very emotionally draining. But one thing that it had was a lot of downtime. Hmm. So there was all this time that I was sitting there. And what do what do they do? Right. They sit and watch TV. (laughs) Right. That's so I'm sitting there, I'm in the medic station and I'm, and I'm three hours downtime between calls or whatever it is. And we're watching TV and I'm, and at some point I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I not being more productive with this time? I'm getting paid for it. I may as well do something with it. And that's when I said, you know what? I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get my bachelor's degree. I never did it. I always wanted to do it. I'm going to do it. So I, um, I enrolled at uh, SUNY Empire State, which had an adult learning distance learning program. Um, and I started going for my bachelor's. And when I had to start selecting what my major was going to be or what classes I wanted to, to take, I knew that business was where I wanted to be. But I looked at my experience and I said, what am I missing from my experience? And I realized that I never was involved in the financial side of the business. I was only involved in operations. So I honed in on accounting. Um, and that's when I started going saying, oh, maybe I want to be a CPA. Maybe you know that's where I want to go. And uh, ultimately what I ended up doing was I got my bachelor's and I went for my MBA, did all of that right through. Um, and then things started changing in my life. Like I met my, my wife, my current wife now, and, um, I started to settle down. And when I started to settle down, my medic salary really wasn't cutting it. It wasn't even cutting it before because, um, most of it was going to child support and private school tuition for my children. Um, but, 
at now, if I want to start life with somebody else, I really have to get serious about the money that I'm making. So the, the knee-jerk reaction, instant you know, solution to the problem was to go back to IT. So I did. I went back to IT um, and I, was, I did that and I did medic full-time three nights a week. So it was three 12-hour shifts a week at night and, um, and, you know, and I, and I did, did IT during the day. All while I was still doing, I was a full-time student. So um, I, I was busy at all, didn't have much on your plate, right? Right, exactly. Um, so that was a really busy time in my life. Uh, but then I, then I found out that my ex-wife was an alcoholic. Um, basically, kids moved in with me. Once that happened, I couldn't work at night anymore. It just didn't work for my wife to be a primary parent for them. Um, so that, you know, I had to cut back on my medic hours. Um, and that's when I really, when, when that happened, um, that's when I really started to look at my life and say, what am I doing? Like, I've always worked for somebody, but I never wanted to work for somebody. And now I've got my kids going through this crisis and every day I'm running them to therapy appointments, to Alateen meetings, and I'm constantly needing to ask permission to do that. I don't want to. I want to just be able to be a dad to them in the way that feels natural to me without needing somebody's permission for that. Um, and that's really what, where I started to say, okay, I really want to start my own business. I want to work for myself. And the seed was planted. Ultimately, that was... 2014 is when I started that journey. It wasn't until 2019 where I settled on who I was serving and how I was going to serve them. So it took me five five years years to really, what's that? I was going to say, it took you about five years. And and that's what I like to to hit on is that, you know, it always feels like when you read the book, you listen to the podcast, you watch the movie, it's, oh, I was an overnight success. And, you know, it just, everything clicked and exactly what happened. And it it was this fluid journey and it was, everything was perfect. And it's 99.9% of the time, it's never the case. And even once you made the jump, it it still took you five years to figure out where you wanted to focus on and what you wanted to drill down on. Yeah. And what's interesting is, is that finally, like the end of 2018, beginning of 2019 is when I realized that attorneys was who I'm going to be working with. But even then, I still didn't have clarity on what I was doing for them because initially I was setting up a traditional accounting firm. Um, but ultimately, that's not what I wanted to do. And when I started to really look at the impact I wanted to have and how I wanted to help people, I realized that what I really want to do is help people be successful. And I didn't want to just look at people's past results and tell them how to save money on their taxes and, you know, and, and that be the end of it. I really wanted to work with people to help them figure out how to turn their business into a cash generating machine and then figure out what to do with that cash later. Right. So that they can um, uh, make a difference in not only their own lives, but also their kids' lives. Um, Real quick tangent. um, This was all motivated by an experience I had from my grandfather. So my grandfather came from Nazi Germany when he was 11 years old with his father. He lost his mother and his twin siblings in the, in the war. And um, when, he, when they came over, I, mean, I think they went to Israel first, then they came to the U.S. When they came, they really had nothing. Um, his father had, had sent over, um, I think he sent over some diamonds. Um, so he basically, he had an orange orchard in, um, over in, in Germany uh, and he was very well connected. He was a businessman. And uh, basically, he was an orange merchant. 
Uh, and when the war started to happen, he because he was well connected, he he was getting intel from top officials, uh, really telling him what's going on. So I think he took his entire family fortune and converted it into diamonds and and present it to the U.S. Um, so when he finally ended up here in the U.S., he had merchandise to sell um, and he started started a diamond business in Manhattan. Um, ultimately, my grandfather worked in that business with him. Um, and was was successful with that business uh, to the point where he and four of his cousins decided to buy a piece of real estate. They bought a, an apartment building on the west side of Manhattan. Um, and now that move looks looks genius looking at it 60 years later or whatever it was. Right. But that investment that he made in in himself and his family's future bore significant results to the tune of um he gave he gave each of his 36 grandchildren the down payment for their first home purchase. And he also put each of us through helped put each of us through private school and our children through wow. private school. So every year he, you know, part of my kids' tuition was paid for by my grandfather. Um, and being on the recipient side of that, it had such a major impact on my life. It's a minor thing. Like in the grand scheme of things, when we become older, we realize that $40,000 is nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. It really, you know, it's not really that big a deal. But for him to be able to provide it to us at that moment in our life, when it was so significant and allowed us to get a step, you know, towards home ownership and being able to settle down, um, it was such a blessing to have that that's really what's motivating me to help others create something like that for their families. Oh, and um, that's, that's, a, that's an awesome story. And it's kind of fun to see how a gen, the generational impact of something that happened generations back is continuing to both impact you from a financial, but also from a direction you've taken your life and, and your business. So I think that that's, that's definitely fun to, fun to hear. So, well, as we wrap up and we could go on for a much longer and I'm sure we'd have a great conversation. So we'll have to have you back on. I'd love to have you on. We do an expert episode and it's a bit different flavor than the journey, but we get to talk and, and share your expertise. And I always love listening to your podcast and sharing your expertise. So maybe we'll have to have you back on in the future. But as we wrap towards the end of this podcast, now we've kind of caught up a bit to your journey. Definitely encourage people to check out your podcast with Profit with Law and uh, also all the services you guys offer. But I always ask two questions at the end of each podcast. We'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, is, you know, we've talked a lot about your journey and along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Well, I mean, the worst, the, the worst decision that I, I shouldn't say decision. The worst thing that could have happened to me along my journey at the time was going through divorce. But when I look back at the journey and I say, well, you know, where did I end up? I would never have ended up here had I not done that. Right. So when you're going through that crisis, it feels like the world's falling apart and this is the worst thing that could have happened to you, but it's part of the journey. And, you know, I, I am where I am because of lots of decisions that I made on the heels of that. Um, but that's not really, that's not the business decision. So the one business decision that I, that I regret that I wish that I could have done differently is simply how long I waited. So I started my business moonlighting. So I started building my business while I was working as an employee. And I'm sure a lot of people do this. And I did it out of necessity because I have to put food on the table. I had a mortgage to pay. I had kids to put, you know, kids school tuition to pay. I had, you know, mouths to feed. So I had this need 
And based on the need, I felt like I wasn't ready to take the plunge. Ultimately, what ended up happening was, is I build up clients to a certain point and then I couldn't serve them. My service would fall off the map and clients would leave. That would make room for new clients. And I had this ever evolving door that was being created by the fact that I was building my business in this way. Um, and when I had reached that first point where I am too busy, I, that, that should have been the point where I said, okay, I'm giving notice and I'm moving into this full time and just trusted that I could have continued the process fast enough to be able to get the income that I needed from it. Um, that game of, of going back and forth and, and really killing myself in the process, like getting the clients, then killing them off and then getting them again. Uh, that went on for over two years. Hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, it was, it was basically a coaching session that I had with a, with my business coach um, where it really became clear to me that I needed to make a decision, but it also became clear that I did, it wasn't all or nothing. And basically I went to my boss and I said, look, it's time for me to go, but financially I'm not ready. So I have a proposal for you. There's one major project I'm working on. Everything else is kind of like extra. Anybody else could do everything else. This major project requires me to be on client site twice a week. How about I stay on to do two days a week of work? And here is what I would charge for that. And I basically named a fee that was 75% of my salary. And they said, yes. So ultimately I cut down to two days a week and was making most of the money I was making. And, you know, and, and ultimately at the end of the day, that was how, that was what my solution to the problem was three months later, that client stopped paying. And that was the end of that. So I was out whether I liked it or not, but um, it was the impetus that I needed. It was the push that I needed to just put that behind me. So that's the answer to your first question is, you know, like the biggest mistake that I had was just not trusting myself enough to be able to take the plunge and do it. Um, And then the second thing is the biggest piece of advice um, that I could give to somebody who is building their own business, thinking about building their own business, is to get really clear on what it is that you want. I am in the position now where I work with hundreds of business owners, and most of them have gotten lost on the journey and forgotten why they started in the first place. And the truth is, is that we usually tend to overcomplicate what we're doing. We usually tend to add on more than we want, um, make it more expensive than it needs to be. And if you really get, get in touch with what is the result that you want, what is the lifestyle you want, and you build your business around that, you'll avoid a lot of detours that are unnecessary. And the last thing you want to do is to build a successful business 20 years from now, look back and say, I don't even like what I built. I don't even like where I'm at. And that's what a lot of people are on the path to do. And that's why I work with my clients. The very first thing that I do, I have like a 90-day law firm turnaround program. The very first thing that we do when we start is to go back to the drawing board and identify what their vision is for themselves, for their family, for their personal life. And then how does that translate into what they want to create with their business? So my best piece of advice for you is go back, go back and get clear on what it is that you want and make sure that what you're building is in alignment completely with that. No, and I I love that because, you know, that is really, most people start a business, they have a a clear goal in mind, they have a reason why they start the business. And yet either because you 
chase of dollars, you get pushed in different directions or other things. Oftentimes, by the time you get to 10, 15, 20 years down the road, the business is different than what you wanted to do, and you're not even enjoying running the business anymore. So I think that is definitely a great piece of advice. Well, as we wrap up and uh, before we go, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor in your business, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out, connect with you, or find out more? Best thing is to go to ProfitWithLaw.com or search any podcast player and look for Profit With Law. Tune into the podcast. If you're not a lawyer or in the legal services, first of all, a lot of my business friends have said that they really enjoyed the, the show, even though it's they're not a law firm because business is business and there's a lot of really good ideas and good conversations that happen there. But if you know an attorney or you are one, um, share it, you know, let, tell somebody about it. It's a great show. And really every, all the instructions on how to connect with me is buried right in there. You know, listen to any one episode and you'll find out how to take the next step with us. Go to the website. There's links there as well. Um, that's really the start of the journey is just get to know me and my brand um, by tuning into the show and checking out our website. And uh, if you like what you see, reach out to us. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out. I love the podcast. I'm an avid listener. And I'm, I'm agree with you. For those that aren't uh, on the legal side, I listen to, as an example, real estate is one of the podcasts of real estate marketing because they have a ton of advice that I import over to, to the legal sphere. And I think there's a lot of times when you listen to other industries, you can get a lot of insight as to what they're doing well and what they're not doing well and learn that. So definitely encourage people to check out the podcast, go to the website and, uh, and connect and learn more. Well, thank you again, Moshe, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. We'd love to have you. Also, make sure to uh, subscribe and make sure to pod, uh, share the podcast so that we can make sure that everybody can find out about all these awesome journeys. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else, go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always there, always here to help. Thank you again, Moshe, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you.